2: Rob Black and your Money I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing and more. Don't be shy. It's towards the end of the year and this is a good time to ask financial questions. How are you doing compared to others? How much money do you think you need to save? How much have you saved? These would be really good questions for you to have in your head. So don't be shy about asking me. Um, I feel ooh, you get kind of one good shot. And then let's just put it this way you're going to have to live off that money till the day you die. So that's out there. Big stories of, well, first and foremost, yesterday was one of those days where we had had three bad days. We didn't really want to have a fourth bad day because we kind of remember what happened last December. Pretty big correction. Not even a correction. I mean, I guess it was a correction, but it wasn't like a bear market. But man, October, November, December in 2018, no good. It felt like the party was over. And then 2019 happened, and the party is only just beginning. We do see a slowing U.S. economy right now, and that's a big concern. (sighs) For the short term, let me try to explain why. We've got a lot baked into the stock market that set record highs this year. That did an amazing amount of stunning growth. 25% growth in one year. You can't beat that with a stick. So a lot of things have propped us up. Some of them have been big tech companies like Microsoft and Apple. They're a big, almost false percentage of the Dow and the S&P 500 because they're so market-weighted. And the bigger they are, the faster they keep growing, which is not common sense. So if you start stripping away one or two names, the performance starts getting a little bit more mundane and a little bit more mundane. I believe right now we are in a market of stocks, not a stock market. There's a bit of melting up that has happened in November, which begs the question of how do we maintain that melt up? Well, maybe a trade deal with China would certainly be nice. Or let's keep the economic activity going with strong services numbers. But yesterday, we didn't get a good strong service number. The Economy's trajectory is no longer a surprise to investors as it is trending lower. When you see numbers on the services sector go from 54.7 to 53.9, that's not that big of a number, right? We could maybe say it's, one and a half percent lower month to month. But when the reading is 50 is contraction. That's not good. We're continuing to look for resolution on tariffs. Maybe some sort of tax reform. Ah, uh-huh, Not going to happen. Not with this president and this Congress. Those days are over. Um, what else can we do? You know, maybe we could look for labor resources where we're about as, ta- as fully in- we're about as fully employed as we can be. We've got growing credit card debt, growing automotive debt, growing college debt, growing mortgage debt. All of these are. I'm not going to say painting a bad picture because that would be unfair, but. It is what it is. Nancy Pelosi directs House Democrats to proceed with articles of impeachment against Trump. That's in the news. So you can expect some tweets from President Trump and the White House starting to aggressively defend himself. Time is ticking in large part to confuse the issue. Elizabeth Warren is preparing a plan to ban mega mergers and allow gig workers to unionize. I don't know how I feel about that one. I can tell you that I've met some of the nicest people in the world in Lyft cars and Uber cars in the last two years, three years. Good, hardworking people who are trying to make ends meet. Um, I certainly enjoyed Lyft and Uber over um, taxi cabs. It just seems like the taxi industry was take it or leave it. Now the Uber and Lyft taxi services are, hey, we're pretty nice. I don't know if that's exactly what they're saying, but Senator Elizabeth Warren's drafted a bill that would ban mega mergers. I don't know how I feel about that. It seems like a bad idea Um, for Wall Street, for sure. And she's also talking about trying to get the gig workers the power to unionize, which I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, Once you're unionized, you work on Christmas Eve and Thanksgiving, And as a gig worker who's working for Lyft and Uber, you may say, I I don't want to work those shifts. I got my kids. But if they don't need you, you're not going to get the hours, right? It's complicated, in my opinion, for a 21st century job, using your cell phone to find people who need to be shuttled around town and trying to instill a union, which was very, very rightfully there. In the 1900s, early 1900s, as big corporations abused employees. Wow, and there you go, right? Big corporations. Hershey was one of the worst. I know you're saying, I love my Hershey bar. Please don't bash that good man. He makes delicious chocolate. Milton Hershey was not a good man. Well, it depends on what you think of it. He gave a lot of people jobs, but he made them live in Hershey, Pennsylvania. He gave a lot of people jobs, but he made them buy his housing, which suddenly you're working for a meager salary and you've got a big mortgage. You can't just walk away and look around town. There's no other jobs. Milton Hershey makes delicious chocolate, but he also left a very complicated trust teaching us the power of a trust and why everyone who's listening right now should consider a trust trust. His wishes were that his wealth go to his orphanage, but that no African-American children could partake in him. Wow. <laughs> like, wow. But that's his wishes. And he put it in writing, and it held up for a long time. Now, let's say you've got $10, $15, 20000000 million, and you've got two kids. Boy and a girl. And you're like, 10, 15, 20 million. Let's call it 15 million. 15 million is going to last me till the day I die. Easy, right? So I want to leave something for my kids. Maybe they can skew, to, instead of towards math and science, a career they, that, that's, that they may or may not glom onto. Maybe they can steer towards like being a veterinarian. And I'm going to leave them a trust. That trust is enough money for two generations. But here's the kicker. I have rules. I don't want my kids to become drug addicts and get access to 10 million, $5 million each. That would end in the death of my child before the age of 30, and that would greatly sadden me. So a trust is kind of good. Another way of looking at it is, okay, let's say my kid steers clear of drugs. But in the trust, I could put very specific language that says, if my kid has a drug problem, he has to get outpatient to get the money. If my kid has a marriage and gets a divorce, the money stays with the kid. Um, I don't want no gold digger, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, uh, to, to meet my boy. But how about if you have a girl? She gets into a marriage. Maybe it's an abusive marriage. Maybe it's just a bad marriage. Maybe it's a, a, a test marriage or a practice marriage. She was totally in love when she was 18 with a man, but by the time she's 23, she wasn't. If she put her bank account in his name, she loses half. Ah. So trust can do a very good job of protecting your wealth and passing it on to your children dang you milton hershey you did it all wrong i'm rob black talking all things financial money investing and more find me online at robblackshow.com when you know 빅터 나이트 that were people back home and try to you but then you ignore the stale all these questions they're formed like would you live for would you die for
1: We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I've I've been thinking too much. I've
0: been thinking too much. Okay, stay with
2: me, ladies and gents. Right now, we're seeing the economy slowing down. It doesn't mean a recession is going to happen, but it's starting to get a little uncomfortable. We're starting to look at each other. You selling? No. You? Uh Uh-oh. Maybe I'm thinking about it. There's two approaches. If you have a lot of mutual funds and ETFs, you have a different angle than if you have stocks. Or if you have a combination, you have two different angles that you have to approach your portfolio with. There is no shame in a year where the stock market's up 25%. I have rebalanced my portfolio and I told you I would do that and I did it probably early November. So I probably missed a, some of the upside, but it was time. So in my portfolio of mutual funds and ETFs, like my 401k, I don't have any individual stocks in my 401k. I don't think I do. and I'm pretty sure I don't. But I should book in that. Um. so I sold some of my winners some of my mutual funds that were up 30, index funds typically there's, a couple, there's maybe one or two branded indexes which is kind of like a mutual fund when you get into it but not really but I sold some of my winners that were up 25, 26, 27, 28% for the year and I didn't sell them all if it was a 5% position it grew to 6% I sold 1% and I rebalanced it into my value that didn't grow as much I'm not telling you to do that. I don't know what you hold. I, I, I'm not psychic. How great would it be if I did a psychic call-in show? Yeah, I, I feel you're calling in, Mike, about your, um, your father. He, 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 yeah, he didn't allow... Yeah, is, that, is, that, is that good? I'm not a psychic, so I can't tell you what to do. But, like, for instance, I also own Nike. Now, when I was a little boy, I liked Nike. As a man, I've liked Nike. When my brother David taught me to run, we would go running three miles a day, Monday through Friday, and we pushed it to four, then we pushed it to five, then we pushed it to six. I always bought Nikes, and he taught me the importance of replacing Nikes. Whether he was right or wrong, every three hundred or four hundred miles on your feet, he said, "You got to protect those feet, man." And uh, you know, bone spurs are bad things, and he's right. So I've always bought Nikes. Now, would I buy Nike right now? I would. Do I expect to make money on it? No, because it's had an amazing year. But that's not the point. Would I buy it? Because as a stock, I want my stocks. I want to own them 3, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 45, 50, 50 years. I want to do it like Warren Buffett and pretend it's a punch card. I'm not much of a trader. I used to be a trader. I can trade. I love doing it. But at this point in my career and at this point in helping you, the best thing I could do is is be honest with you and tell you don't try to do it because you're not me. Nike, named the Greek goddess of victory, is the world's number one shoe and apparel company. It designs, develops, and sells a variety of product. And it runs from basketball to soccer. Uh, One of the big Halloween costumes this year, women's national team soccer jerseys. And what was weird about it, boys and girls provide them. I think that's great. See how inclusive I can be? Um, they also own Converse and they also own Hurley, which isn't, eh, I'm not going to get all excited about that, but they own 1100 retail stores where the retail store has become an important way for companies like Apple and Nike to get a little ooh and aah going on their ooh and aah kind of product. I would say it's fair to say that Nike is considered a luxury sneaker compared to some of the ones that you can also buy. With that said, Nike just got an upgrade today. And again, I'm not telling you it's never going to go down because it will. But if you take a look at a 30-year your chart, you're going to go, mmm, mm, mm. That's delicious looking. You're going to love it. And I beg you, take a look at charts on occasion. I think, that, I think that will help you. So Goldman Sachs said, Nike's had a pretty good year, but they think it's going to have a better year. Nike's up 26% this year. The S and p 500's up 24%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 19%. But Goldman Sachs upgraded Nike to buy from neutral and added the stock to the firm's conviction list. Now That doesn't give me a lot of love, knowing that they missed up 24% this year. And now they're saying we like it. That's almost like, you know, now that the 49ers are 10-2 and two or whatever they are and everyone's enjoying it, I'm going to watch my first game this weekend because I'm a 49ers fan. I'm a fair weather fan, just like the weather. That's not fair. It's not fair to the people who have been invested in the good years and the bad years, right? So, and again, Nike is football, right? Nike is soccer. Nike is baseball. Nike's everywhere. They're even in hockey. They used to be in golf and got out of golf because Tiger Woods got out of golf and Tiger Woods got back in golf. And Nike already said, bye-bye. No clubs for us. So they have that ability to work on the fly. So why is an analyst settling bullish on a stock who wasn't bullish all year long? Bullish meaning he expects it to go higher. It's because evidence is building of pricing power. Signs of operating leverage, accelerating shift in differentiated retail, sharply scaling the app ecosystem, and a constructive global athletic growth backdrop. Okay. None of that means that much to me. But again, I own shares in Ikea in a down economy. And if I expect – a lot of people are saying 2020 is going to be the year of the recession, 2021. Who cares when it is? It's going to happen, and we're never going to predict how it's going to happen. It could come from literally a nuclear strike in the Middle East or a a meltdown of a nuclear power plant in, in Russia or a big earthquake in California. Something could push us to the point of saying this ain't good. And let's, let's just tighten things up. And then a recession happens. Recessions aren't bad. To me, a recession is like taking a breather. Now, if you say the market takes a breather, does that sound bad? No. If you say the, the markets are caught in a recession, does that sound bad? Yes. So take a look at your portfolio. And one of the best things you could do if you own stocks, if you own something like CrowdStrike, hot tech security IPO, it's two years old. So if you were to go to like a birthday party, it's like, meh, meh. and if you go to like Nike's birthday party or Visa's birthday party, I ask, I'm an old man. I'm 92 years old. I deserve some respect. They're different stocks. You respect the elders in down markets. You respect the companies that have been there and done it. I wrote a piece yesterday on an IPO that was uh, it was t- t- Peloton. And their commercial is getting disastrous reviews on social media. Um, It's a a beautiful woman in a beautiful house with a beautiful husband. And her husband gets her a Peloton for Christmas. She might weigh a buck 20, 120 pounds. And it, it shows her through the year of working out with this exercise machine. And she's intimidated by it. She's scared by it. Even though there's a child in the commercial, which you assume she birthed, she's tough enough to go through childbirth, but she's freaked out by an exercise machine. No, women are much stronger than that. But the point being, I don't know how Peloton markets are advertised. I don't know how they handle Christmas. I don't know how they handle spring. So I wait a year. That's the beauty of buying brand name blue chip companies. I'm not telling you it's right for you. I'm not saying it's right for your whole portfolio. Consult a broker advisor for the any action on any stocks mentioned. I'm Rob Black.
1: questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220
2: KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing and more. saw something pretty interesting out of We live in a weird society at this point in time, in my opinion. I remember the impact of just, wow, when I was in ninth grade and I had to read 1984 by George Orwell. And you started seeing the Internet kind of taking form and you kind of had that feeling like maybe maybe the government is watching us. But I'll tell you who's watching us. It's our neighbors now, and they're calling you out on social media. One of my favorite websites next door, because I'm fascinated by how many people – sit at home and ask questions of their neighbors or complain about their neighbors via digital posts. And then yesterday, Melania Trump kind of called out a Stanford professor because she said, you know, something along the lines and I'm paraphrasing president Trump could name his child Baron, but he can't make his son a Baron. So Melania's like, shame on you for dragging a 13 year old kid into this. And I'll tell you what, social media went after her hard. You mean like your husband who put kids in cages (laughs) Like, ooh, whether it's right or wrong, it just feels like, ooh, those fighting words, right? And we almost, I don't know. I I think we live in a very awkward time with social media. So I'm cutting mine down enormously. I'll look at your ugly pictures, but I won't post as many ugly pictures. Uh, Florida cop points a gun at a girl who's 10 years old and tells her to put her arms up. Something tells me the the social media backlash on that cop is going to be pretty rough. No matter what the scenario, no matter what the scenario, like if we find out like she was holding a gun to a six year old's head, he's still guilty. Like I don't like where social media is taking this, and it, it, it's hitting the stock market quite a bit, right? You're seeing more CEOs leave this year than ever before. And I, I don't want to say it's social media, but I think the plug-in the into it-ness of all of this, it's pretty consuming. Um, and I think you can't not ignore it. Like, for instance, I'm, the, the trial going on between Elon Musk and the, the diver who helped save the Thai cave kids uh, a couple years ago where uh, at the end of the, the rescue – the diver said something like, yeah, Elon Musk could keep his little submarine. It was a P.L. stock. He's Australian or New Zealand, right? And I think he probably called him like a dirty word. And Elon Musk came back and called him a pedo guy, short for pedophile guy. And hearing Elon Musk on in trial right now, it's fascinating. He's like, yeah, I'm worth $20 billion or $40 billion, but I have no cash. And calling someone a pedo guy is a modern-day insult of... It's just an insult. It's just a curse word. It doesn't actually mean it. Wow. So we're all hard on each other. That just, again, brings up the question of, like, why is Elon on in court right now? Shouldn't he be making cars? Oh, that new Tesla truck. It's the first car made out, or truck made out of steel since the DeLorean. And the DeLorean ended up back in the future with Michael J. Fox. You, you catch my drift? Um, I'd like to see you I must deliver that sooner than later because that could be a market mover um, I've got a friend who's totally reasonable he works in broadcast news and he put down a $100 deposit on it and I'm like, why? Hey, to me, a car is a, a point A to point B kind of thing and I, I can't see myself driving a 21st century styled car because then I'll just I'll look like that guy who's trying to look different and I don't want it to be that guy elsewhere out there. But anyway, the trial with Elon Musk and the way he's tweeting and the way he's kind of saying 21st century is different than the 20th century. Um, I see that as a trend. Next year is going to be hard on the housing market, especially big cities. Big, 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 big big research report came out. Sales of existing homes are going to fall 1.8% next year. Home prices are going to flatten nationally, increasing just eight-tenths of percent annually. But prices will fall in 25 of the 100 largest markets, including Chicago, Dallas, Las Vegas, Miami, St. Louis, Detroit, and uh uh-oh, San Francisco. Now, when you see that report, do you go out and sell your house? Typically not. When you hear a report of a recession coming or a stock market correction is due, do you go out and sell stocks? You typically do. It's pretty interesting how you'll keep one asset but not the other you'll keep one thing that has a liability tied towards a monthly payment versus stocks that you've already bought. it. It's paper losses now. So millennials are driving the housing demand, but there's also stories now about how big retirement communities like Flagstaff and St. Pete have such a high penetration of seniors who left expensive housing markets like D.C., um, New York, Chicago, San Francisco, LA, and said we're going to Florida. They got all-you-can-eat buffets for people over sixty. Um, but the, there's a large percentage of retirement communities now that are going to start having people die off. And when they die off, the kids are like, "I'm not moving to Florida. It's too hot there. Their their state bird is a cockroach. It's a flying cockroach. It's it's huge. It's their, their cockroaches are two feet big there." I know you're saying you did not just insult Florida. It's actually South Carolina the state bird. So, first time I got into South Carolina, stopped at a gas station, and I swear it was the biggest bug that I've ever seen. It was the size of a shoe, flew into me like a baby shoe, not like a you know, fourteen foot man shoe. Target's doing something kind of head scratching. They're going to open a store in Times Square. I don't know. God. Target, to me, is kind of a rural community play, where they put one in between three or four cities, like Redwood City, San Carlos, Redwood Shores, maybe a little Palo Alto would be attracted into that. And we all go, and we go, Oh, it's a big parking lot. But Target's bolstering its presence in the Big Apple with a store in the heart of Times Square. The discount retailer signed a lease to open a small format store, about 33,000 square feet. It's going to be uh, Target's 10th small format shop. Mm, I don't get the strategy there. Target strategy in the words of analysts is to move into densely populated areas like New York and college campuses with stores that span a fraction of square footage. Because eh, the big store was a thing in the 80s and 90s. It's almost as if the big hair of the 80s inspired the big store, the big box store. Whether it be Bed Bath & Beyond. Ooh, good God, there's a lot of pillows in that place, right? Or whether it be Best Buy. And Circuit Cities were like a quarter the size. So why go to a teeny, tiny, teeny, tiny little Circuit City to buy stereo equipment or computers? When you can go to a Best Buy that had hundreds and thousands square footage of computers for you to see and test and lick. Lick. So I, I target. Their story, and it goes back to me with the Home Depot, not the Home Depot, but the uh, Kmart versus Walmart, where Walmart went for the rural angle. Target kind of copied them. While Kmart went for the big cities, and Kmart went bankrupt way before Walmart did. And Kmart never grew their market cap like Walmart did. So I'm always interested in like, are we going back to the future where now we're going to the big cities with these companies? Um, but CVS's strategy and Target's strategy is an interesting one. Both of them are kind of surviving, which makes me think of that do, 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 do. I will survive. Um, when other companies like Bed Bath Beyond and Family Dollar have been forced to close stores as more people spend money online. So slashing costs on square footage. Think of it. It's a strategy you learned early on when your mom and dad raised three, four, five kids in a big house a McMansion, as we used to call them in the 80s, 90s. And then 20, 30 years later, your parents are old. And they're like, I'll just take a nice ranch. 1,600 square feet's almost too big. I don't want to clean it. And then you get my mom who's in a retirement home and she's in a bedroom sharing a mansion with other people, but she doesn't even get out in the mansion, right? She stays in her room. Very, very sad, Agent. Very, very sad. 800-516-1220 to your calls on the air. Goldman Sachs has said a simple laggard strategy for early 2020 that tends to beat the market. What is this simple strategy? It's almost the dogs of the doubt that Goldman Sachs is talking about today in research. Strategies to pick up battered stocks. Remember, some stocks can be battered, but not actually fried. My mom and dad used to batter us in eggs and um, panko. An egg batter and panko. But they never fried us. They loved us. So Goldman Sachs said buy the laggards that its analysts have out of consensus buy ratings on. Some of the names that they're looking at is L Brands. Limited Brands. Maker of Bed Bath & Beyond? No, no, no. um, Bed Body Works. And also... L Brands is, I hate to say this because it's a little bit zooby zooby zoo. Victoria's Secret. What is Victoria's Secret? Do you want to hear it? Victoria's Secret if she doesn't wear clothes. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Terex, Yelp, Cree, and Under Armour are all names that Goldman Sachs said this might be a good idea because we think they're good companies. But we think they've underperformed. And at the end of this year, October, November, December, if I own something that's underperformed like Under Armour and I own a big winner like Nike, I may say I'm going to sell my Nike. Because I made $3,000 on it, but I lost $6,000. like i am going to start doing some tax loss harvesting with my losers versus my winners. And then I'll buy back my winners later. It happens. Not to me, but it happens. So those names are L Brands, Terex, Yelp, Cree, and Under Armour. It's an interesting concept. I want you to practice concepts and figure out what works for you and what doesn't. Don't be like me. Be like you. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show.
1: Black. dot com. Now back to Rob Black and your money on AM twelve twenty KDOW. Welcome back in,
2: Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing, in more. I'm still playing with the idea of doing a new weekend show and getting into more of YouTube broadcasts as well as podcasts that are different than the show that I do. I just have to decide if I want to expand my wheelhouse and do a little bit extra work and a little bit more editing. I'm thinking about it. So if you have any genius topics that you want turned into a differentiated podcast versus daily, more of a weekly bigger picture kind of, okay, I only need Rob for 30 minutes a week instead of 10 hours a week. Let me know. I would be intrigued, to say the least. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about money, investing, and more. <clears throat> um, I just opened up a link that <laughs> just totally distracted me. I'm sorry. Really? I'm sorry. That happens, people. It happens. Take a look at the stock market. We've had a wonderful year. It's the most Wonderful time of the year. And it is that time of year, right? Where if you're up 20, 25% and your house was up maybe 1%, 2%, you've had a good year. America's employed. Sometimes at the end of the year, we do start coming up with strategies for the next year, right? And I love 2020. Doesn't that just sound like an optometrist dream year? (laughs) I know. Okay um stock markets are traded uh stock markets are mixed today three down days one up day a mixed day china says it's maintained close contact with the u.s on trade matters cnbc i found this humorous last night at two in the morning i know you're saying what were you doing at two in the morning i couldn't sleep last night i got a lot on my mind i got my money on my mind and my mind on my money so at 2 o'clock, I'm watching CNBC and Bloomberg, and CNBC has a countdown clock. Nine days until tariffs kick in. Now Typically, we're doing countdowns that are a little bit different. Now we're doing tariff kick- kick-ins. That's probably not a good thing. Because our president seems to have an ego of he wants to look like the winner. China seems to have an ego that says, we want to look like the winner. And they're both saying bad things about each other to the media. And there's that nine-day countdown clock. Countdown clocks put you on the clock, right? China has maintained close contact with the United States on trade matters. But they have said, we're not doing phase one unless you roll back those tariffs. Who's going to blink? It's like that scene from Footloose. (laughs) I know you're saying, one of the worst movies of all time. Yes, but because of that, it's one of the greatest. When the new boy in town decides to get in a tractor. Kevin Bacon, and he goes up against another guy in a tractor because it's being shot in Iowa or somewhere like that. And they play a game of chicken on the road with tractors and Bonnie Tyler singing. I need singing. I need a hero. And it's it's exciting. And at last second. Someone turned off and looked like a coward to the whole school. That's that's my fear. Oh, and by the way, I had a big crush on Bonnie Tyler. I know you're saying, you must have been eight or nine years old, 12 years old when Bonnie Tyler came out with that song. I'm like, yeah, but it was MTV, and that's how influential we were. At 12 years old, I was like, I'm going to end up marrying this Scottish pop singer who's probably 50 already. (laughs) Didn't work out that way for me. But MTV made me feel like it could happen. Amazon's underperforming amid a report that Bloomberg Law... As indicated, antitrust officials have widened scrutiny of Amazon to include its cloud unit. Oh, boy. I wonder if Jeff Bezos is ever going to regret buying the Washington Post because it seems to be the one thing Trump hates probably the most is media coverage. That doesn't make him look great. So Amazon owns the Washington Post. The Washington Post does pretty good reporting, it's assumed, right? They and the New York Times are considered the papers of record. Probably New York Times a little bit more, but Amazon has kind of a monopoly thing going. When I tell you, I used to go to the mall and I'd go to like six or seven stores to find things for my kids and my wife and my my uncles and my aunts and my nieces, and I'd have to go to different stores to satisfy everyone, right? And now it's just sit on your couch, put your tootsies up, and hit a couple buttons, and everyone's taken care of. With that in mind, you know I'm lying. Sometimes I lie, I exaggerate to tell a good story because you know I don't actually go shopping for people. And you know that I wanted to actually buy nieces and nephews gifts because I am that kind of stingy. It's 130% true. It's so weird. I don't mind like eh, $6 million. Eh, that's not stress to me. What's stress to me is like $3,000 or a gym membership that's $400 a year. not use. It's like I am stingy. And for Christmas gifts, maybe I'll do bund Cakes again. But I tend not to get a lot of people a lot of things. I don't. They don't want their ties. Like, I like getting three people that I love great things. It's things that they need. You know what I found out this year that I didn't know that I needed? That I needed a weighted blanket. Holy mackerel. Have you tried one of those? That's the Christmas gift for the bad sleeper in your family. uh so Nike's up on that upgrade that we talked about a little bit earlier. Apple's up on an awesome upgrade. Uh, it's all price target moved to three hundred dollars from two fifty, and that's stunning because it's a big company. It's worth a trillion dollars, and when you were a child, you thought a trillion dollars was was a big, 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 big number. And you probably learned in elementary school what's next after a trillion? A zillion? Do I think Apple this is going to be worth a zillion dollars in my lifetime? I don't. I think at some point in time, they'll break it up and they'll separate the hardware from the software or the services from the hardware. I don't know. I could be wrong. Anyway, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show, Big Tay Tay, Taylor Swift documentary coming out next year. I'm Rob Black.